Good morning, Bethesda. So good to be here with you this morning. Many of you don't know me. Many of you know me by different aspects of my life, different aspects of uh, type of ministry. I'm a Spanish pastor here at Bethesda. We started a uh, Spanish bilingual congregation five years ago. But many of you know me from other time. And I started serving the Lord as a translator. Um, and, it, you know, throughout times, uh, I, I questioned the Lord, what, what was he doing? Because I wanted to preach, you know, and, but, but that time, uh, didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't get invitations to preach. So I thought it was preaching in the schools and preaching. But one avenue that the Lord used to open up ministry opportunities for me was through translating. Now, I want to... Uh, define for you what it means, translation, this is what I found, is to change from one state or form to another, to turn into another language, to transform or transfer from one language into another. And one key aspect to consider when translating is that you're not translating only words, but meaning. In other words, what I would say, you know, I'll have conversations with, with people who'll be translating. They'll go one word at a time, or they'll just go and run sentences, and I'll be trying to catch them. And that one, one way I describe it is, let me see your thoughts before I can hear your words. Meaning, let me see where you're going. Because it's, if, if it's just words that we're translating, we might get lost in translation. Let me tell you a quick story about that one time that I thought I knew English until then. Um, and I was this, this preacher from the South. He was from the deep, deep South, and he was the nicest guy possible, but I did not understand what he was saying. You know? And he, you know, he would go, and he was fixing to. You know, I was fixing to go to church, and I was fixing to go do dinner, and I was fixing my car, and I was fixing to... I was like, man, he's got a lot of broken stuff in his life, a lot to fix. You know, I was, I was worried. I was concerned. I was like, a lot of fixing to. And then he said, you know, I reckon. <laughs> man, I'll tell you, I, I thought I knew English till that moment, and I started questioning everything in my life. I started questioning my, my existence, everything. I was like, what do even I know? What am I speaking? You know, and he would just go, you know, that, that, that one thing, uh, uh, you know, that, that whatchamacallit? What? Oh, you know, that, that doohickey? What? Think of a bomb? What? And I said, whoa, 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 hold on a second. I said, hold your horses right there. Hold your horses. Don't get all your feathers ruffled on me, please. But you know... If we just translate words, what do they mean in another language? And I want to read you um, one scripture that Paul is writing to the book or to the uh, Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 14, 13, Paul writes, So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. Now, Paul is talking about protocol of worship. What should, we have, what should be happening in church? 
But it's interesting that he said, you know, it's great that you have this experience. It's really awesome that you have this gift and use it. It actually is not minimizing the power of speaking in tongues. You read that last verse in that chapter, verse 39. It said, do not forbid speaking in tongues. It's very important. But he puts the emphasis on you got this. That's really great. But you should also be praying for the power of interpretation. Because what it means beyond the experience, the spiritual experience, in anything in life, it means don't leave things the way you got them. It means just because you have something in one state does not mean necessarily that's your final state. You need to be able to translate it into what benefits everyone. Like I said, we're not minimizing the power, the power of tongues, speaking in tongues, but pray to be able to have the power of interpretation. Now, I want to talk to you about translating it today from my own experience. But, you know, Paul also writes to the Ephesians, and I think this is uh, very interesting. He says that the eyes of your heart, it is a prayer. It's interesting that he is praying for the Ephesians in uh, chapter 1, and he's, you know, he's saying, you know, I, I remember about praying for you. Now, it's interesting that he doesn't say, man, I pray that you get a raise. I pray that you, that you, you get the house that you've been hoping for. I hope that, that you get things to work out your way. But he actually prays for them and their eyesight. And says, I pray that you will be illuminated. He said, I pray that the hearts of your understanding will be enlightened. He doesn't pray for situations. He prays for them to have a different vision. He doesn't pray for what's going on in their life, which I'm not opposed to praying for situations, but that really the power, it's not about God changing situations, but you gaining a new perspective on how you were to be enlightening. Now, that word enlightened is the root word for photography, the word in Greek, photiso. Now, I know you guys are uh, too young to remember this, but before there were smartphones and dumb phones, we had stuff called, you know, film cameras, right? Growing up, if you wanted to take a picture you know, it was through film, and you had to take it to a studio, and they will reveal it for you, right? You know, nowadays, you just have a phone, and it's interesting that, you know, you kind of judge people by, can he know how to take a selfie? Have you ever thought about that? Because you're, like, in a place, and you're like, I don't think you take good pictures. You don't look like you take enough selfies. Or you go and find somebody who knows. You, you, you can tell. You know, even by the way they grab the phone, you know, that, that guy spends a lot of time, spend, you know, with their phone. And so you go and it's like, hey, can you take a picture with us? And, or people will come and say, like, hey, Pastor, can I have a picture with you? Or, or you're in a beautiful place and like, you want to take a picture, you ask somebody. And, you know, and, and they're holding the phone and, you know, going. And, and you're like, man, this is going to be good. And you're like usually holding, you know, talking to people and you're like, you know, it's like, and you're holding, your, you know, the, the smile and you're like just going like this. You start breathing, you know, 45 seconds into it, and you're like, all right, what, just one more, just one more. It's like, you keep, you know, freezing like this, smiling like this. And then they give it to you, just spend one picture with one eye like closed, and it's like, good grief. 
All you have to do is snap the pictures. It's a, it's a small process and an easy process now. It didn't used to be like that. You know, you can retake pictures easily now, but not, 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 that's not how it used to be. But the classical uh, process of photography was that you capture on film and then you take it. Do you know how we call the film, that 35 millimeter, they will call them negatives, right? How many of you remember that? They'll call negatives. So you took the negatives and give it to the studio, and in the studio, they will go into a dark room. And then in that process, they will reveal to what you understand. If you just have the negatives, you look really funny in the pictures. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? Could I say this morning, could I appeal to you to say, Maybe what you're facing today, it's not the final versions. You are in negative state. Maybe you need to go, and I'll, and I'll tell you, maybe you need to go into the dark room. And be in a process, I'll tell you, God's favorite place usually, it's in the obscure. When nobody knows, maybe you wake up in the middle of the night and you're thinking, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to talk to these kids? How am I going to deal with it? And there are things, and I'm glad that, that you are able to express things and we pray for you. I'm glad. But how many of you know that the deepest struggles are the things that you never get to say, that you never get to share? But I'm here to tell you that God's favorite place to work, it's in that dark room. It's when nobody knows what's going on. It's in that place where, where you're like struggling by yourself and you have negatives and you turn it into positives by a process of revealing. You may find yourself only with negatives. Things might look crazy, just like a puzzle. Things are everywhere. It may be the original form, but should not necessarily be the final version. What you do with things, what, what, when you are handled things, and maybe what you're feeling is, okay, all I have is trouble. All I have is sickness. All I have is a mess. I'm not sure what am I going to do. I'll tell you, you're in a good place. You might not understand it all. You might not agree with everything, but you're in a good place to start changing what is, and you need to be translating it. Now, I want to show you a picture of, I called it a music chart. Uh, we can play it, we can, we can put the, the, the screen. Now, I was corrected to be called a symphonic orchestration, right? Now, if you look at that, how many of you understand what's going on? Musicians and, please, hold on, I know. I know you understand it. But a simple guy like me, when you look at that, and you're like, what is that? I see some lines. I see some scribbling. I see some black dots. I see some red lines. I, I'm not sure. I mean, what is it? Is that Morse code? Is it, you know, somebody asking for help? Is it, is it something R2D2 will say? I mean, I'm not sure what's going on there. But then somebody who has the power of interpretation may make it sound like this.
By the way, that was your pastor who wrote that, uh, and I was able to hack into his computer. No, I'm just messing with you, no. No, I asked for it, and he was like, can I have a musical chart? But actually, this is a symphonic orchestration. So left untouched, it can look like any other paper. It can look like just dots and, and just red lines, and for the simple eye, it may mean nothing. A complete mess, but in the hands of someone trained, someone who has the power to interpret it, it will sound in a different way. And I think that's powerful. Because you may look as like, Pastor, this is my life right now. It might look just like dots everywhere, you know, not even making a sense, lines here and there. But when you have the power of interpretation, it can be, it can turn into a piece of art. Maybe what you have in your life may look right now, for the simple eye, like a mess. But you can, I believe in the name of Jesus, that you can turn it. Isn't that what Paul used to say? All things will work out for the benefit of those who love the Lord. It didn't say that all things are going to look good. It might not look like it's all one dot after the other. It might look messy, but trust that he knows what he is doing. You're in their dark room, and it might be scary. And you know what? The beautiful thing is in that process of being obscured and that obscurity, you get immersed. You get submerged in water. You get submerged in that. That's why we're reading the Bible together. You might, you might be reading words, letters, but I believe that you're committed. I believe that you're going week by week and trusting. I'm, you know, this week was crazy. This week was just terrible, but I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep submerging myself. I'm going to keep immersing myself. I know God will reveal me in the end. I know he will make it work at the end. I believe it. Now, what are you going to do with what you have today? You may not like the cards that you were handled. You may not agree with where you are. You may not necessarily think it's, the, it's fair. You might look at somebody else and say, why do I have what that person has? But what are you going to do with what you have today? Are you just going to accept what you've been dealt? Or are you going to have the courage to challenge reality and gain a fresh look. Translate what you got into what it should be. The power by the Holy Spirit is in you to translate it. Don't leave things as they are today. Don't leave the craziness. Don't leave, and you know what? How many of you think that sometimes God will trust you problems? Because sometimes I feel like, God, are you trusting, why don't you trust me blessings? Are you trust me problems? But just because they are in trouble condition doesn't mean they will turn out to be only trouble. Many blessings come through trouble. Many, many blessings come through situations that are adverse at us. Translate what you got into what it should be. The power is in you. You know, and we always talk about dreams, and I want to read you another verse. It's Genesis 45, and I also read that a couple of weeks ago um, from the inverse. Genesis 45, 5. 
It's interesting because we all know, we all talk about the process of Joseph, right? He has a dream, and then he goes through this chain of, of events or just one thing after the other and so unfair. Life is terrible. And he's got the ability to interpret and translate um, dreams, dream in a form and take it into a reality. Say, no, this is going to happen. And he translates and he interprets for the cupbearer, for the baker, and for Pharaoh. And I always thought, like, okay, so that was it. He, you know, uh, it's, it's a happy ending. But we read in Genesis 45 his biggest challenge. He was able to translate his own life. And look at this. He faces his brothers as they're coming to, be, to buy any, uh, any food that they had left to beg for mercy. They're not expecting to find their youngest brother there, Joseph. And he has got a hard time, but he faces his brothers and he tells them, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me. For God gave me or sent me before you to preserve life. Let me read that again. Do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph was saying is, you see, your rejection became my preservation. And my preservation turned out to be your salvation. See, God allowed to, for Joseph to be rejected because what it seemed like an awful thing ended up being the pathway, a blessing that he had for him. He allowed all the unfairness and unjust things to happen because that way was, he was protected and he was developed into that process of a dark room Dark room after dark room after dark room until there was a moment to be revealed. And that's what Paul writes to the Ephesians. Probably he's saying, I want you to have the same experience I had. When you read in the book of Acts, you, ha you see Paul, Paul had religion. So, so he, he wasn't gaining a new religion. He had plenty of religion. You know, he knew the Bible better than probably the disciples or you and me. He, he, he knew he was what he was talking about. But he is going to Damascus and he's on a horse and he falls to the ground and, you know, he hears this voice and he gets blind. But it's interesting that he never complained. He didn't understand at the moment why he had to lose sight. And you can tell, well, you know, they're different. He had a concussion because he fell off the horse, and, or he, the, the light was too bright. You can, we can go through all theories. But the fact of the matter is that he had to lose something to earn something else. And I believe that God allowed him to lose eyesight because he needed to see something new. He, in, in, and it's temporary. You know, he didn't, it's not like he went blind for it. It was three days. But in order for him to see something new, he had to shut the eyes of something old. He, and, and in terms, in basic terms, he had to lose eyesight to earn insight. 
so many, isn't that what faith is? Isn't that what faith, sometimes it's closing my eyes to the natural so something inside of me, a conviction, something that I know that I know God has said about me, it's going to happen whether my eyes can believe it, whether my eyes can trust it, sometimes it's losing eyesight to earn insight. And Paul's saying, I pray that that same thing happens to you. So you can know that what you're going through It may be the craziest time of your life, but be reminded, just because you were handed that should not end the same way you got it. What are you going to do with what you have today? Because you can say, all right, let's reset and let's go and let's deal again. How, you know, how easy would that be? You know, let's, let's, let's get a better deal, somebody, somebody to give me a better uh, cards. But life doesn't work like that. And I believe God allows that. And, and that process that we don't understand what we're going through, at the end, we know that it was all worth it. It was painful, yes. And it hurt, yes. But even Job said, see, I knew before all the tragic events that happened in his life, he goes, oh, I thought I knew God, but my eyes now can see him. I heard about him, but now I see with clarity. Would you be open? Obviously, if I say, hey, how many of you are struggling financially? Just, you know, raise your hand. It's easy to keep my eyes open and try and expect something else. But how many of us are willing to sacrifice what we're seeing today and gain a new perspective? So we can see with the eyes of understanding. So you can be enlightened. So you can know the process that you're going through, no matter how crazy it looks. If you're in the hands of the Lord, trust me, he's in the process of revealing you. Not only you get a revelation, but you become that revelation that you will be revealed into something new, that you will be revealed into what God has for you. Now, Joseph has translated meaning into his life. Meaning, now I understand. I've heard of you, said Job, but now my eyes can see you. It's like, like I said, turn off eyesight to gain insight. You see, interpretation will always exceed situation. How you see things, it's more valuable than the what you are seeing this morning. And I want you to understand that. I'm, we're going to pray. And, and, and I, I don't want you to hold back, well, you know, I don't want to share. Obviously, you share. Obviously, you pray. Obviously, you know, how can we, you know, go together and pray for you? And we expect to God to move and to show himself powerful in your life. I believe that. At the same time, I want you to, gurn, to, to, to earn, to gain a new perspective. Because maybe, just maybe, what you're seeing, and this is what you need to know, it's okay to confess blindness. God created us with that. 
God created us with a, you know, I'll tell you, I have at least, at least 180 degrees of blindness. I know what's behind me because I saw it, not because I can see it. I have 180 degrees of blindness. I have limitations. And what I can see in, the, in front of me, I, I need glasses. So it's not even 180 degrees of clear image, you know. I need help. And a lot of times, we need somebody else to look for us. God created us with that limitation so we will know how to partner with other people to pray for our backs, to pray when we don't even know. That's why we need a vision. That's why we need to join together in prayer, join together in, 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 in serving, join together in reading scriptures. That's why we need the Holy Spirit because I recognize I'm blind. And we may be like that guy that came to Jesus and said, Lord Jesus, I'm, I'm blind. And he touched him and he could barely see. He said, you know, I can see things moving. I see man-like trees. They're shapes. And many of us are in that stage. Yes, Jesus touched me, but I cannot see clearly. Yes, I'm at church. Yes, I accepted the Lord. I know I'm going to heaven. I know my family is, is at church. Everything is good. I cannot see clearly. Maybe you need a second touch so you can see clear. I don't think God wants you to half make it. I don't, I, I don't think he went to the cross and, and paid the highest price so we can kind of make it. I believe that the Holy Spirit will give you clarity on what to and see and to interpret and how to judge the times that you are in, how to judge the situations and know and trust that no matter what's going on, you don't take things as face value, but you have the power of interpretation. You have the power to translate. Don't just leave things the way they are, but it's time for us to have the power of interpretation. I want to invite you to close your eyes. Because there will be a group of people that are going to pray for those who need to come to the front. If you say, I need, I cannot leave today without a fresh insight. You may not have all the answers. I didn't say that you're just going to get all the ABCD action plan, business plan. You may not have that. But I want you to know that the Lord is trusting the Lord is trusting. Maybe, maybe you're thinking the Lord is waiting on you. While you're praying, while you are thinking and hoping things to change, maybe God is waiting for you to change. Maybe God's waiting on you. Maybe you've been thinking that you're waiting on God. Maybe God is waiting on you. And if there's anybody, maybe you're living in a way that you're like, I don't even know why I'm in church this morning. Yeah, they told me something is good, something, you know, I know it's good to go to church, I know it's good to believe in God, I know it's good for my kids, 
I just don't know where I'm going with my life. You're in the right place. And I would like to pray for you. And I would like to invite you. If that's, if that's you, I would like to invite you. And it will be a, a group uh, of people. And I'm going to invite the uh, prayer team to come to the front. Thank you, Pastor Brent. I would like to invite the prayer team to be available. If you need prayer for anything that's going on in your life, and you're like, I'm not sure. I need an answer. I need something to happen in my life. It's awesome. And I'll tell you, they are called here to the front not because they can see more than you. But they will see where you can't see. That's why we need one another. That's, that's why the body of the church is so important. Not because the perfect are in the front and the bad are in the, in the back, but we are humans with same abilities, with same limitations, but we can join together. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will give us a spirit of revelation, a spirit of wisdom. Why do we need revelation? Because we need to see where we have not seen before. Maybe you already have everything in your house. Like the prophet said to, to, to that desperate woman, we're going to die. Nothing is going to change. He said, what do you have in your house? Maybe the answer is already in your house. You haven't seen it yet. But you have, need a fresh look into that. And I want to invite you, if you need prayer, please don't hesitate because... It's not like, ah, he's going through stuff. No, 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 no. We all go through stuff. We are all 180 degrees of blindness. I recognize I need prayer. Probably need more prayer than you. But if you need prayer, if you can, I'll invite you to stand up, and we'll probably have a time of worship. If you need prayer, please come to the front. Do not lose this opportunity. Don't waste another day walking in blindness. Don't spend another minute... I want you to leave today. I want you to leave today with a clear vision. I want you to leave today seeing what you're not seen before. I want you to look at a Monday. You're going to look. Like it's not Monday. You're going to look at, okay, this is different. This is a new life. This is a new me. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will be revealed in time being.